Welcome to the Fantasy Football Picks and Bet Show presented by Prize Picks on the Mayo Media Network. Sign up for Prize Picks using the link in the description, code MMN. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to the Mayo Media Network on YouTube. I am your guest host today, Scott Simpson at NimbleWNumbers on Twitter. I'm filling in for Pat. We're really excited. We have a great show today. We have a great guest today. We're going to be talking over-unders on prize picks. We got DraftKings for Thursday night. Plus, we're going to end with Pete Oberzet sharing his five most interesting nuggets from preseason. This is a show that you don't want to miss. So without any further ado, let's jump right in. Let me welcome my guest exclusively from Osimo. Uh, very excited to actually be uh, guest hosting today with Matt Kajeski. I'm not alone here, by the way. Uh, we're going to have a lot of carrying of the burden by one of Osimo's best. He does it all there at Osimo, pretty much everything. Uh, college football, NFL, MMA. Uh, I'm missing one. What's another? What else do you do, Matt? I do all the college sports, the college football, basketball. And then, yeah, I think you had everything else, though. But thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here again. Oh, man, this is exciting for me. Uh, when Pat asked me to host, he said, you know, can I bring, do you want me to bring a guy? Do I, you have a guy? I said, uh, no, I'd love to have your guy come. Uh, you're one of the best in the business. So this is, this is awesome. I found out pre-show that you, uh, you like beer. And so as a home brewer, as, as, a, as somebody who loves beer, let me ask you real quick, just to get in there. Cause I'm sure nobody out there enjoys beer, but us, uh, what are a couple of your favorites? You go to a brewery and then maybe name a couple breweries uh, where you are in Wisconsin that you like to go, you know, with some friends and have a beer. Yeah, so I'm from Milwaukee. My Twitter picture is in a brewery. It's called Milwaukee Brewing Company. That's a great place. But if you're ever actually in the city, tiny little spot you should check out called 1840. They do a lot of barrel-aged stuff. If you're a, a beer connoisseur, you like some of the weirder ones. That's one of my favorites. Ooh, I love those weirder ones, those ones that are aged in, in special bourbon barrels or things that, you know, that you're not going to get outside of your kind of your local. So that's great. And, and by the way, make sure on Twitter that you go check out that picture and follow Matt Kajeski. It's Matt underscore Kajeski. That is G-A-J-E-W-K-S-K-I. Uh, and I'm excited. He followed me this week. So a good week for me. I'm in the black, as they say. Uh, and that's what we're here to do today. We're here to help you get in the black. And we're going to jump in and we're going to talk prize picks off the top. The show is presented by, by prize picks. If you didn't pick it up in the beginning, uh, MMN is the code when you sign up link down below. Uh, and if you haven't liked it and you haven't smashed the subscribe, what are you doing? Come on. 25,000 people can't be wrong in this medium. And uh, we're, we're here to help you win money. So uh, let me jump in here. Uh, if you go to prizepicks.com, you're looking at, at the slate for today. There's two different ways to approach it. There's the single stat DFS. And then there's the fantasy score. So kind of the stat over under and then how many points they're going to accrue fantasy wise. So I'm going to let Matt kind of be the leader here and talk about kind of which one he wants to go to first. It's kind of his pick them. And then what he thinks are some of the, the edges that we can find in these picks this week. So I'll let you tee it off. Matt, go for it. For sure. And primarily what we're looking for with any sort of preseason contest is playing time. That is very true for prize picks where we have just a few players listed for these props right now. One that stands out to me in particular is the rushing prop for Kenneth Gainwell. So you have a very condensed Philadelphia Eagles backfield. They cut Kerry and Johnson earlier this week. Jason Huntley has been battling an injury. He is questionable for this game. You should watch his status leading up to game time. And that will be important for this prop. We have Kenneth Gainwell at 25 and a half rushing yards. They did not play Miles Sanders in week one of the preseason. If he does play, it's not going to be more than a few snaps. He's a lock to make the roster. 
Boston Scott only played five snaps. He's a lock to make the roster. And then you had Jordan Howard, just five snaps himself. He's probably on the outside looking in. Kenneth Gainwell played 19. He's been working with the first team in practice this week. So you're likely looking at a few additional opportunities. 25 and a half rushing yards makes a lot of sense to me on the over on prize picks. Yeah, no, I think that's a great call. And uh, sticking in, in that same game, looking at the the rushing uh, totals, there's another rushing total that, that I just, I question. And I want to get your thought on this. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, 13 and a half rushing yards. It seems kind of juicy. You know, it's kind of up there. Um, my thought would be, I'm not sure how long he's going to play, but the primary goal of him in this offense is not going to be to see how many yards he can scramble for. It's to see how he can go through his progressions, how he can try to move the ball downfield and kind of fit into the offense that they're trying to, to have him practice with. Do you think, though, he gets flushed, he runs for 13 and a half, or, or is that probably going to be a, an under in this game? I actually have the under on this right now, and I, I do the projections over at Awesome L4 the preseason. Right now, we have him projected for just over three drives. That would be a few additional snaps compared to what he saw last week. So just trying to get a little extra valuation. And he still only projects for about eight and a half rushing yards. Of course, this is going to be volatile. Hertz could rip off a 10, 20 yard rush at any given point in this game. But like you mentioned, I do think they're trying to evaluate him as a passer right now. Yeah, no. And, and so I think the gain well bet is, oh, sorry, the gain, the gain well pick is more uh, it favors it favors you uh, as the as the as the uh, as the investor more so than the Hertz pick, but I do think uh, Hertz probably is not going to be scrambling for his life. It, this is preseason. Uh, you don't want to get your quarterback uh, maimed. I think he's going to be getting the ball out hopefully as fast as he can. Uh, anything else in, in either the the rushing section or going to passing or even receiving? There's a a couple different uh, picks up there as well. Uh, Jalen Hurts dominating most of them. Yeah, if you look at the fantasy scores tab, we can jump over there. I think Mac Jones over six and a half fantasy points could make a lot of sense here. In the first game, we didn't see too much run from Cam Newton. Brian Hoyer just had cleanup duties. And this kind of makes sense, right? Mac Jones, their first round pick, they're really trying to evaluate him as a signal caller. And I think they will build this week off of what we saw from Mac Jones last week. He had a really low yards per attempt, but he did play 33 snaps to Newton's 12. He completed 13 of 19 passes, and they should get someone like Nelson Aguilar back this week. He'd missed their previous game. That should help his yards per attempt too. Yeah, and you also have to think if he does get a, a touchdown, that kind of seals the deal for you. And so um, not that they keep him in until he does, um, but but that's what happens if you're in for two you know two quarters and you you drive the ball down the field. There's an opportunity for touchdown. So that that wouldn't cash in one play, but you're you're leading up to that. Maybe it does. So I like that pick uh, a lot. Uh, another pick in here that that had me interested was the Ramondre Stevenson, uh, 4.6 fantasy uh, points. You know, last week he crushed that number. So we're not looking for exactly that same amount, but. Uh, 4.6, do you think that's uh, reachable in this game? Philly defense uh, still kind of getting things together, not known for their rush defense. And you know the, the, the Patriots, they like to run the football. That's something they do. And, and, and you know, I don't know how much James White's going to be featured. We know he's on the team. Uh, you know, so this is a chance to kind of see if this rookie has something uh, more than just a one-game wonder. What do you think about that? Yeah, I do think that is solid to look towards the over. It's just at 4.6 on prize picks. The rushing prop for him is a 31.5 too, which I also think – is interesting, but with a 4.6, you have multiple outs to get there. He could catch a pass, and he was a fantastic pass catcher coming out of Oklahoma. He is a bigger back, but he does have that skill set to play on third downs. And then if you just look at his opportunity, Stevenson, he played 15 snaps. 
to JJ Taylor's 16. They already know what they have in Sony Michelle, Damian Harris, James White. So I do think there are paths to him eclipsing this number. I like the fantasy points more than the rushing yards just because he can get there with receptions. Yeah, no, I like that too. I think uh, you know, there is an opportunity there. This is, this is PPR, you know, and that really does give you an edge. And I love the PPR edge that, that we get here. So uh, another one that is a PPR edge, and, and I'm sure that you've uh, seen the Jalen Rager highlight we all have now. It's you know, kind of blowing up Twitter all over the mainstream. Uh, great catch. Um, but do you think he sticks around long enough in the game to, to make an impact or, or have they seen what they need to see in practice? Because, I mean, listen, that was a great catch. You know, he can do it. You don't need to prove it in a game. He did. He proved it in one on one drill, you know, with, with, a, with a starting corner. So uh, do you think this is kind of, you know, fool's gold or smash? No, I think Rager, he might, he might honestly have shown too much in practice. The Eagles have not shown a tendency to want to play their starters. And this will be really interesting to see if Devontae Smith plays. He could be somebody they try to get out there and evaluate. He returned to practice, still a little bit limited coming off that knee injury. But ultimately, I think Rager probably doesn't see a lot more than the 17 snaps he saw in preseason week one. And in that game, he had two catches. But you look at what Philly did overall. They did not complete a lot of passes to receivers. They only completed four. And Hmm. the rest were to tight ends and running backs. And that is indicative of what Philly likes to do in the regular season. You're seeing a lot of 12 personnel, two tight end sets. They're trying to evaluate their running backs. So I don't think we see a ton of rigor. And when he's out there, maybe his snaps are limited already from things like 12 personnel packages. Mm, No, I I like that. And I think those scores seem so low and we see what he's capable of. But, you know, just further down on the screen, you got that Kenneth Gainwell 4.6 4.6 fantasy point score uh, that that probably gets the over as well. His, uh, you know, pass catching acumen is one of the reasons why they brought him in there. Uh, what do you think about the 4.6? How does the awesome model look for, for that uh, number? Gainwell's an excellent play here because he's such a good pass catcher. He's a player that was formerly a receiver at Memphis. They moved him to running back in his final year. So he does have that pass catching skill set. And we already liked his rushing prop. Anything he adds in the pass game, is basically icing on the cake for this bet. So I, I love Gainwell here. And one last thing I'll throw out with these receivers. Right now, Philadelphia projects to play with 10 healthy receivers and New England only has eight. So if you want to look to some receiver props just in the fantasy market, a player like Christian Wilkerson has been batting, battling for a roster spot. He's competing primarily with Nikhil Harry. And we've seen those two just dominate snaps throughout the preseason. Right now, Nikhil Harry in game one, 36 snaps. Wilkerson, 32 and you had Wilkerson lead the team in receiving pretty much in that first game. He had six receptions for 39 yards. If he gets targeted even close to that rate, he's easily going over three and a half. Yeah, I, I like that. And if you're if you're into the fact that Philly is not a great defense and I mean, it's preseason anyway, but they're not. I mean, if you think Philly's first team defense is not great, welcome to their second and their third team defense. So, I mean, that, that gives me a little bit of a confidence boost. You catch one pass, you go for 25 yards, you, you make the prop. So um, now I like both of those. All right. Excellent. All right. Let's transition over to DraftKings. Uh, by the way, I'm just so excited DraftKings is back. I'm not an official sponsor, but like it's one of those like, uh, you know, w- wish I could be maybe one day I will be because I'm over there all the time my wife knows the screen by now she rolls her eyes when she walks in the room so you know it's good times i love DraftKings, by the way uh so let's talk about uh where, where we're going to start here uh when you get into uh your build uh and you're going into these showdowns how do you start do you start quarterback running back defense where's the best place to kind of build your team out yeah so it's really counterintuitive to the regular season we want to actually be looking heavily at defenses 
And this makes sense when you think about it from a playing time perspective. You have quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, all seeing limited snaps. A defense can actually accrue points throughout the duration of a game, not to mention they're typically playing most of the game against second and third stringers. So that is where we like to look. I think defenses are viable in the captain spot because you have opportunities for turnovers and spike plays. And for that reason, in this game, I think New England has a slight edge over Philadelphia. Not only are they favored, but they'll be going up against the likes of Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, in particular, was very fantasy-friendly to opposing defenses in Week 1. Love Philly's defense, too. They will be facing the better quarterbacks in Cam Newton and Mac Jones. I think you can play both in your lineup, but I have a slight preference towards New England. No, I I like that. And that... That also does correlate, though, to to running back normally in the in the regular season when you're building, even though you might start with running back and then go to defense. What about now? Uh, do, are we going to do that as well? If we're going to build a lineup, I got Patriots, and I'm by the way, I'm doing this myself on on DraftKings because you know I want to save this for for later. Not going to lie. Uh, so uh, Patriots in the in the captain spot. Uh, who am I going to look at? We talked about Ramondre Stevenson. We talked about uh, Gainwell. Are we putting both of those guys in there at running back, or are we only putting one in? How are you how are you doubling up with, with your flexes here? Flexes are a little more nuanced. This is where we start to isolate the players we think are going to get a lot of playing time. Typically, it starts at quarterback. If you can find a team with two quarterbacks, you want to lock one of those guys in immediately. Unfortunately, here, New England and Philadelphia both project to play three quarterbacks. I think Jalen Hurts is interesting because he only played 10 snaps in that debut. If he does end up playing a few more drives, his rushing upside is enough to warrant a flex consideration, maybe even a captain if you're playing bigger GPPs. And then another signal caller, Mac Jones, even though they have three signal callers in New England, Jones projects to play that many more snaps. And we saw him play 33 and they debuted to Cam Newton's 12. That's just because he's a first round rookie. They need to get him out there and get their reps, especially in a quarterback battle to see if he's actually the answer. So right now I have a slight lean towards Mac Jones as far as the preferred flex play, but I think some of these runners are interesting too. Yeah, no, I, that's a great call. And and Mac Jones is somebody who I isolated today in, you know, I, I, I love Osimo's projections and, uh, but I don't have those right now. I have just the nimble projections and Mac was, was my, my number one guy there. And that's where I, it was so interesting to hear about the defensive play. I love that. So now I'm stacking a, defense and a quarterback, but I'm also going to throw Jalen Hurts in there because I, I think that's a smart play uh, as well. Now, we talked about uh, Gainwell and his passing upside. Is that what you're kind of chasing in this uh, volume and then passing upside? Do we kind of Can we predict that? That's kind of tricky sometimes when we look at these uh, one-off showdowns. It is for sure, especially in the preseason. Having the receiving chops is huge because none of these players really have a good floor. If you can find a back that catches a few passes – it's probably going to go a long way towards optimal lineups. I think Gainwell fits the bill more than any other player this week, and it's just because with cuts coming, rosters had to be cut down to 85 players. Philly made some moves at the running back position and notably losing Karrion Johnson. So with Jason Huntley also battling an injury, Sanders and Boston Scott expected to not play many snaps. Their roles are locked in. Gainwell could be used a lot as a receiver and give you that really nice floor. New England, they're a little bit of a different story. We talked about liking Stevenson's rushing prop. He will probably play less snaps just because New England has more running backs overall. And in that first game, they interestingly use J.J. Taylor almost exclusively as the receiving back with Stevenson as the grinder late in the game. I think both will see ample opportunity, but it just gives me a slight lean towards Gainwell overall if you're only picking one running back in your flex. I very much think you can go two, but the top three for me – 
would be Gainwell, Ramondre Stevenson, followed by J.J. Taylor third. No, I like that. I threw Gainwell in. And then, uh, you know, what you're talking about with Wilkerson or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to think about him. I, Nikhil Harry, I don't think I've ever played him, picked him. Uh, I've kind of just been staying away from him in general, which has been working for me. So I'm going to keep going away from him. Uh, Wilkerson, I, I threw him in there. I liked what you were sharing about him and just maybe he doesn't make the team. But I, I do think one thing about Belichick we've seen over the years is he gives people an opportunity to show who they are because maybe he uses him on special teams as a gunner. Maybe he whatever it does, like he wants to capture what this guy can do. So I'll, I'll put him in there. And then if I'm going to shoot for the moon, who's somebody who maybe – uh, you know, like you said, Aguilar coming back, didn't get a chance to play. Now he plays. Is he somebody who you think uh, Belichick just wants to see because he has him new in the system? Uh, or is he, you know, he's got the team, so he's not going to really worry about it or, or or not? I think he'll probably use Aguilar more in practice, reserve him for limited snaps in the game. He should be their number one receiver. They have Hunter Henry and John U. Smith. I, maybe one of them is the de facto number one receiver, even though they play tight end. I do think Nikhil Harry continues to see a lot of opportunities It's been really interesting to read reports this week. Wilkerson has struggled a lot with drops, which didn't really plague him earlier in training camp too much. But even in the last game, Nikhil Harry played 36 snaps to Wilkerson's 32. Harry caught one pass and Wilkerson caught six. That opportunity is really volatile. So in big tournaments, I think you're likely going to see ownership skewed towards Wilkerson. And you might be able to get some leverage by playing Harry because they virtually had the same routes run and the same snaps on the field just didn't go Harry's way this week. But if you're going really deep, New England is absolutely battered at tight end. You lost John New Smith. You lost Hunter Henry, not for a significant amount of time, but neither projects to play here. You have Matt Lacoste missing practice, and they just cut Troy from Magali. That leaves one healthy tight end on the roster and Devin Asiasi. He mm. came off the COVID reserve last week, so he only played 12 snaps in the game. Watch to see Lacoste's status, but if Devin Asiasi is the only active tight end for New England, there could be a little bit of a receiving edge there. Oh, I like that. That's a real deep dive. And I expect nothing less than that from Matt Kajeski. I appreciate that, Matt. This has been great. This has been wonderful. Uh, what are you working on awesome mode this year? Uh, plug yourself away because I know you're crushing it and you're grinding it and you're uh, probably going to take down GPPs that I'm going to be in. And I'll look see you at the top of the leaderboard. So where can people find what you're doing right now? Appreciate that. Everything's at Osmo working on the preseason package. We'll be doing everything college football, college basketball when it rolls around in November. Also working on the NFL, doing some shows for that. But again, I'm on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski, and you can find all my work there and at Osmo. Awesome. I can't wait to check you out this year. I'll be watching your shows. And you know what? Alex Baker put out a tweet. He said, who are some people that you want to have on the show? Uh, I, I definitely threw my name out there. My friend, Bo McBigtime, Jordan Vanek, our little crew over at Nimble W Numbers. We love you guys at Osmo. You, you kind of fill our Sunday mornings. And so uh, we had Lofty on uh, Chalk Blocked. And so maybe this year we'll have you on Chalk Blocked. You're the, always invited to come on Chalk Block with me and Bo and Jordan. So uh, you're awesome, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Pat's awesome. And and speaking of awesome, oh my goodness, one of the best in the business right now, uh, P- Peter Overzet. If you haven't heard him, he's man's coined himself. He's turned himself into an NFT, which, you know, I can just say, uh, I, I don't mind saying I own one, but man, that'd be great to own one, to own a man's coin. So uh, he's coming up next and he's going to tell us uh, just the, the five most interesting nuggets from preseason that are kind of under the radar. And you know what, Pete, it's going to be entertaining. So stay tuned, guys. All right, guys, Peter Overzet back here today to give you the top five guys 
guys from preseason who I think we now need to pay closer attention to. When I was on the channel last week, we were still primarily talking about training camp reports, beat camp reports, but now we actually have some actionable information that we can use to our advantage in our best ball drafts, in our season log drafts, all of that good stuff. Now, I do think we need to make the same caveat that we did last week. This isn't the end-all be-all. If anything, think of them as hints or clues pointing us in the right direction. Some of them will be dead ends. Some of them will be false flags, but there are some signal within the noise here. And so I think it's important for us to dig deep, try to parse the context and figure out if there is anything actionable here. I think there is because this is the first time the teams are actually tipping their hands, showing us how they want to use these guys. And my number one guy from preseason that really made my eyebrows raise was Rondell Moore, the rookie wide receiver for the Cardinals. He had three receptions for 23 yards, two carries for 16 yards. And basically he was being used all over the field in creative ways. Last year, all of these similar touches were going to Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald at his stage of his career can't do much after the catch. He's just not explosive with the ball. Now you get a guy like Rondell Moore, physical specimen, very explosive after the catch. He's going to be able to take these low value touches and really do a lot with them down the field. So I'm very excited about Rondell Moore in this offense. I don't think he's going to be a rookie that takes time to bring along. You know, there are other rookies that are exciting, like your say Rashad Bateman's pre-injury, who I think there's a little bit more of a development curve to them becoming alpha wide receivers that we hope they become. But Rondell Moore with his specific role, I think he comes in right away in day one. And I think he's the Debo Samuel in this Cardinals offense. And the funny thing is about Debo Samuel and Rondell Moore, there's about 50 picks in between their ADPs right now. Rondell Moore is going to start shooting up draft boards as the public realizes just how good he is, just how much he's going to be involved in this offense. We always joke around, my friend Rich Rebar calls this the horizontal raid office. That is good when you have a player who's used horizontally and laterally a lot like Rondell Moore is. So fire up Rondell Moore. I think after pick 100 in your drafts, he becomes a very nice selection. The number two guy I want to pay attention to here is Malcolm Brown in Miami. Now, this was a bit of a shocker to some people. Miles Gaskin has been being drafted well ahead of Malcolm Brown. Everyone kind of assumed Miles Gaskin had a great season last year, was a young, talented back. Why wouldn't that carry over? Well, we don't necessarily know why this is going on, but Malcolm Brown ran ahead of Miles Gaskin. He was playing on pass catching snaps, playing a lot with the first team, and it was our first kind of reminder that when we are projecting these workloads for these running backs in what we call the running back dead zone, the Mike Davis types, it can be a little shaky because we aren't actually sure. And that's what we're now seeing with Malcolm Brown. So I'm not fully overreacting to Miles Gaskin. I still expect him to be the lead back, but I think Miles Gaskin needs to be a lot cheaper than where he's going in drafts right now. You know, he was going in the fifth round. I think if you can get him in the seventh and eighth now, that makes a lot of sense. And I also think on the flip side, this makes Malcolm Brown a premium priority late round running back target. This is a guy that, coaches are comfortable using at the goal line in passing situations with the first teamers. So that's a scary guy for the running back ahead of them. In this case, Miles Gaskin and coach Brian Flores has basically already confirmed this for us as well. He said he likes all of these backs, Savan Ahmed included, and that they want to use them all in a variety of ways. So 
Don't fully press the panic button on Miles Gaskin. I'm excited to buy the dip on him a little bit, but I think if you have been aggressively drafting Miles Gaskin, it is time to stop now because the Malcolm Brown warning signals are brightly flashing red. Now, the third guy I want to talk about here is Josh Palmer, the rookie wide receiver on the Chargers. And one of the things I've been tracking very closely this offseason is who is going to be the wide receiver three in this offense. We know Keenan Allen's locked in. We know Mike Williams is locked in, but they kind of have a carousel behind them. There's Jalen Guyton, who ran a lot of deep routes last year. There's Tyron Johnson, and then as well as the rookie, Josh Palmer. Uh, Just my style of play. I'm always trying to target the young guys, the unknown guys who have the chance to break out in a big way. But why I think this situation is an important one to target is just because of how many points we expect the Chargers to score. I think there's a lot of room in this offense for a wide receiver three to shine. We've seen it in previous years. Think of Pittsburgh last year where a rookie like Chase Claypool was able to come along, even though there were established guys like Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, he was able to carve out a big-time role as a situational deep threat, and that's what I think Josh Palmer can do here. And part of this was confirmed in preseason. I can read you his stat line here. He had six targets for six receptions and 36 yards. He led the team uh, in all of those metrics as far as targets and catches, playing with the first team. So I think this is a very bullish sign for Josh Palmer. If he's able to get on the field right away as the wide receiver three, that is going to be a role that has a lot of fantasy value. And he's still a very much a late round flyer. I think in your best ball drafts, I, you can still wait until the late rounds to take him, but when you do have Justin Herbert especially, I think he makes a lot of sense. And I'll also toss in a bonus charger here. I think Donald Parham is interesting behind Jared Cook. Jared Cook's 34 years old. Donald Parham is massive. He was a star in the XFL, and he's having a uh, really good training camp right now, according to all the beat reporters. So Josh Palmer and Donald Parham out of the Chargers, I think, are very interesting. The fourth guy here, is K.J. Hamler on the Broncos. Now, he had a very splashy, long touchdown during the Broncos uh, preseason game this past weekend, but we've seen him do this before. He had a long touchdown uh for the Broncos last year in week 14 against the Panthers. This is the type of player he is. He's a Deshaun Jackson. He's what we wanted guys like Philip Dorsett and John Ross to be, but because he was in such a loaded rookie wide receiver class last year, he slid and wasn't um, as hyped as a lot of these other players. But all the reports out of Broncos training camp right now are that he is locked and loaded as the third wide receiver there, and you get him at an incredibly cheap price, mainly because people say, Hey, Pete, how can the Broncos, you know, ever support three wide receivers and Noah Fant? And I think it's a legitimate question with guys like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Noah Fant being all solid players in their own right. But I think Hamler serves a very specific role as a deep threat. This is where I get to say the most cliche saying of all time. I prefer KJ Hamler in best ball. I do. I think it'll be hard to know when to start him in managed leagues, but I think we can really bank on him having three to four spiked week games a year. And when that player and that type is going in the 17th, 18th round, that's a smash. You don't need him to be great every week. You just need a few big weeks, and he's now shown it to us last season. He's shown it to us in preseason. He can get the job done, and so I like KJ Hamler a lot. 
Now, the fourth, uh, or sorry, the fifth guy here that I'm really interested in is Philip Lindsay. We finally started to get some confirmation that he's actually the lead back in Houston. When they signed him, I think a lot of people assumed, okay, David Johnson is the incumbent. They bring in Mark Ingram, who's also always been an early down rusher. But we've known previously that Philip Lindsay's a really good rusher. He forced Melvin Gordon into a true timeshare last year. And now that he's on the Texans, the concerns are there, right? This isn't going to be a good offense. Is he going to play passing downs when there are negative game scripts? I think those are fair concerns, but I think he is by far the most talented back in this backfield. He outsnapped David Johnson eight to two with the special, uh, with the first team last week. And David Johnson's already on the record talking about how he's having to come to grips with his new role. And that's a very, interesting thing for the you know presumed starter to already be kind of you know resigning themselves to playing back up to uh philip Lindsay. so i think philip Lindsay is talented enough to succeed even in some bad situations even with the boxes being stacked against him at times so Philip Lindsay isn't a guy that you're, you know, building your drafts around or going out of your way to target, but where he's going super late in drafts, I think is an incredible deal. I think once some of those, you know, other handcuff running backs like your Latavius Murray's and Alexander Madison's are gone, I think I think he should be going right around there. And right now he's going 20, 25 picks after those guys. So I, I'm going to assume that the buzz on Philip Lindsay continues to pick up steam and that he's going to be a very useful player, especially if you're going with these zero RB builds where you've started with a lot of wide receivers. So those are my five picks, five guys that turned heads in the preseason. Be sure to subscribe to the channel and we'll be back next week checking in on more preseason action. I'm Peter Overzet. Thank <laughs> you.